Welcome to It's Time, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode of It's Time, we'll listen to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of 2 Samuel. This book is especially important as it focuses entirely on the life of King David, the line of Christ. Examining the triumphs and troubles of David, we can learn a lot about being a person after God's own heart. With the timely study on 2 Samuel, here's Pastor Mike. There's an old song. Count your blessings, name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God has done. And, and I, I look at that and, and you think about this for a minute because here God is, is, is giving David a history lesson of his hand in David's life up to this point. I gave you your master's house, your master's wives, into your keeping. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with your sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife. You've killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. This is really tragic because, again, he used the enemy as the executioner for Uriah. Do you see that? In other words, he wasn't even tried in a court and found guilty. He just basically was turned over and let the, you might say, the heathen slaughter him. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me. Now, it's interesting that um, God took the rebellion of David very personally. You know, the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is expected. And so in this particular case, you see that David over and over again saw the deliverance of the hand of God. And we remember, as as we've been studying in the book of Samuel, how oftentimes even Saul, uh, at different places, was a divine appointment of God. Remember even one time that Saul came into a cave to cool down in the heat. And while he was in the cave, David happened to be in the very same cave. Probably as he sat down for a snooze. David cut off a corner of his garment. Some people believe that was actually his family identification that almost all the people of Israel, according to what some historians tell us, uh, was their identification. So in other words, if a person got killed in war, they could tell by the way the beads were tied on their, on their, on their garment um, uh, who they were. Uh, in other words, if you, you know, were one, depending on where the tie on the knot was on many different strings, that you were of this you know, son of this son of this son. And, and so they said it was a very accurate way of, you might say, dog tagging somebody. So some people believe that David actually cut off, you might say, his dog tags off of Saul's garment. Don't know that for sure, but some people suspect that. That wasn't by accident. God divinely did that. And so God then gives uh, uh, David a little bit of a history lesson through Nathan explaining to him that, listen, God's been with you all the time, but when you've done this thing, you have despised me, the one who took care of you all along. So he says, you've taken the wife of Uriah to be your wife. Thus saith the Lord, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives from before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For what you did in secret, you did secretly, 
but I will do this thing before all of Israel and before the sun. So very heinous thing uh, that David set into motion. Friends, again, uh, uh, there's a time, I believe, that a person can repent from what they do. And, and I believe that repentance is always for God. I mean, I, I think if no matter where you're at right now, you can ask the Lord to forgive you, and he will. But that doesn't always make the consequences go away. I mean, sometimes you've sat into motion a, a set of events. Uh, it's like saying, well, I went on a backslide and I murdered somebody. Well, God, forgive me. Yes, God's forgiven you right now. But the consequences of that murder may take you to your early grave. Now, that doesn't mean God doesn't forgive you, but it does mean that there are consequences in everybody's life. And that's why the Bible tells us how to live. It isn't that God's being a cosmic killjoy and saying, well, hey, listen, I don't want you guys to have any fun, so therefore... No, the Bible says... Now, people say, well, you know, if I sin, then God punishes me. No, you know, I I believe that a lot of times the reason why sin is sin is because that is the natural progression of what we've done wrong. Take God out of the equation. It's the natural... Of things that follow in rebellion to God. That's why God says it's sin. It isn't that God says, well, I, I think this would be fun. Don't do that. No, no. It's, it's that when you do these things, this is what happens when you do these things. That's why not to do them. Now, you did this in secretly, but I will do this thing before all of Israel and before the sun. Now, what David did here is this is bad news. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. David's busted. And he knows it. And he confesses. Nathan said to David, the Lord has also put away your sin and you shall not die. Now this is amazing. He said, even though you basically murdered Uriah and you're directly responsible for other deaths of the people of Israel, David, God's put away your sin and you will not die. However, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who is born to you shall surely die. It is interesting here that this little boy that was going to be born had a death sentence on him based upon what his parents had done. Now, I do believe, friends, that there are certain things that parents do, that can do, that can affect the lives of their kids. Now, there's a lot of books that are written right now about the sins of the father and the mother visiting the third and fourth generations to those that hate him. And they they get into all this stuff of generational curses, and maybe you've heard about that. The the problem is, I don't necessarily believe that. But what what it's talking about is in God visits the sins on the third and fourth generation to those that, that hate him. These are learned behaviors that are passed on from generation to generation, not a curse or a whammy of God. And so then they have these great evangelistic rallies. Come and have your generational curse broken from you. Friends, that's kind of kooky stuff. What it's talking about there is learned behaviors that are passed on from generation to generation. They talk about children that have been molested They say they generally grow up and molest other children, who then grow up and molest other children. And and, and we see the the, uh, continuance of those things. And it's not till uh, Jesus comes in and puts an axe to the roots of those things, do those things end. Now, Now again, that's being born again. That's walking in the spirit. That's turning away from the darkness and walking in the light. That makes the big difference in, in how we get out of the pit that we're in. Now, with uh, David in this particular case, it says that because of the sins of 
what he, what he did, his child won't live. Now, I don't know all the reasons why that is. Maybe it was because maybe the mother was so extremely stressed out that the baby didn't develop right. We don't really know what caused this thing other than the, the prediction from the Lord was that he's not going to live. And it's directly because... What, now, anybody here that's a mom knows, or anybody, any guy here as well knows, that stress can cause health issues. Stress can cause women to have children prematurely. Stress can cause you to have ulcers. The old saying goes, ulcers aren't what what you eat, it's what's eating you. (laughs) So you think about that. And we know that these different things can affect all of us. So whatever reason it was, this baby was not going to live. Then Nathan departed to his house. Then David, uh, which we don't find recorded here, after he was confronted, uh, in fact, you might want to turn over that. Let's just go over there real quickly. Psalms 51. This Psalms that David wrote is in direct response after the visit. And so if you say, well, what was going on in the mind of David right after that visit of uh, Nathan the prophet to uh, David's palace that day? Uh, We find that here in Psalms 51. And this is what David said. Now, this gives you an idea of the heart of a man who loves God in spite of what he's done wrong. And friends, that's something always important to remember. That no matter what you've ever done, God is bigger than the things you've done wrong. And uh, I know that David, once he was cut to the heart, once he was confronted, once he was busted, this is what he said. Have mercy on me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. You see, there's nothing, friends, that feels any better than to know that God's forgiveness is towards you, especially in the current time of need. Verse 3. For I acknowledge my transgression. My sin is ever before me. I think it's nice to know that it isn't forever before God because God blots it out. But unfortunately, sometimes, friends, we have to remind ourselves as Christians that God has forgiven us. And otherwise, you can live in the past. And you can let your past beat you to the point where you will never do anything in this life for God or anybody else. So again, he says, I acknowledge my transgression. You know, in order to be saved, you have to admit you're a sinner. You know, this is one of the things. Remember, the children of Israel were complaining Moses, we don't like the food. Moses, we want water to drink. Moses, we wish we wouldn't have left Egypt. Moses, we haven't had leeks and garlics for a long time. Our breath hasn't stunk for a long time. Moses. And finally Moses goes, ah. And God sent on the people, the Bible says literally in the Hebrew, flying fiery serpents and they begin to bite the people and the people begin to die and they came to Moses and they said Moses we we think like God's like bummed with us would you intercede and 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 tell the Lord we're sorry well anyway God instructed Moses to put on a stick a serpent a bronze serpent and lift it up, and anybody that came and looked at the serpent wouldn't die of the serpent bite, but they would live. Now, something to remember is this. The community was large. Picture yourself in a community maybe the size of this town. And, and, and you hear the word that spread through the community that there's a serpent on a pole downtown that's made out of brass, that if you go look at it, you won't die. And you know what? A lot of people said, I'm not going to look at that stupid thing. 
And you know what? The Bible says they died. Now, to me, that's kind of interesting because it wasn't where, oh, they lit the pole. Everybody kind of looked at it. Okay, we're fine. No, no. They had to make a trip to go see this thing. Because, uh, again, Israel was sprawled out all over the place. And so it wasn't something of convenience. It was something that they did. And so as they went and they looked. Now, that's all they had to do, though. They didn't have to earn it or anything else. When they looked at the serpent, they lived. Now, somebody would say, well, what's that about? Well, again, what was biting them? Serpents. What was on the pole? A brass one. Hmm. Do you remember why the serpents were biting? Hmm. Because we were complaining. They had to face their sin. And as they faced their sin, God healed them. David says here, I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. They, David recognized this same principle, friends. That it was when he confessed his need for God... And when he had not acknowledged his sin, that's when God would heal him. Against you, verse 4, and you only have I sinned. I've done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. And so again, he is saying, true and righteous are your judgments, O God, is what he's saying. Verse 5, behold, I was brought forth in sin, iniquity, and my sin, in sin my mother conceived me. Now this is speaking, friends, again, of the old sin nature that's passed on from generation to generation. This is, again, speaking of, of we, we, we don't sin, and that's what makes us sinners. We sin, which proves that we have been sinners all along. Behold, verse 6, you desire truth in the inward parts, and the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop that I would be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Make me hear the joy of gladness that my bones which have been broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. You know, we sing that song sometimes here. Create me a clean heart, O God. You know why God's got to create one in you? Because there ain't one there. (laughs) We know it's in our heart. Friends, it's a bunch of junk. So God's got to create in us something that ain't there. Now, that's not hard for God because God created the whole heavens and the earth. So to create a clean heart in us is something that God can do, but he's the only one that can do it. And you know what? You can live with yourself with a clean heart. It's pretty hard to live with yourself with a dirty heart. You ever done something dirty and you felt really uncomfortable and you pray and and, and you still feel dirty and you go home and you take a shower and try to wash that feeling off? Well, see, God wants to create in you a clean heart, renew a steadfast spirit within you. Don't cast me away from your present. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Because, see, David realized that that Holy Spirit was, you might say, that gyroscope system inside of us that keeps us walking the way we're supposed to walk. And so he said, Lord, please don't pull your Holy Spirit from me. I I need that. He says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way, and sinners shall be converted to you. In other words, just as I have received this forgiveness, so I can tell others about that same forgiveness and love. Friends, again, that's, uh, that's the message of the gospel. That your sins can be forgiven, that they can be, um, that they can be done. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. My tongue shall sing aloud of your your. Of your uh, my tongue shall sing aloud of your rejoicingness. O Lord, open my lips. My mouth shall show forth your praise. 
For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God are broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. And so, in other words, you want to go around prideful and say, well, I ain't done nothing. Well, then you're not going to have the blessing of God. And he says, do good in your... um, Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifice of righteousness, with burnt offerings and and whole burnt offerings, and they shall offer bulls uh, on your altar. So again, the sacrifices of God, again, to do this. Now, let's go back over to Samuel here. Samuel 11, chapter 12. This is, again, the, the thoughts of David. Nathan departed to his house. The Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became very ill. David therefore pleaded with God for the child, and David fasted and went and lay all night on the ground. And so for a king to be doing this is pretty much a sign of humility. And again, uh, David confessed his sin before the Lord. Uh, Chapter 51 is there. And uh, so he says this, um, but still, so the elders of the house arose and went to him and raised him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. On the seventh day, it came to pass that the child died. And the servants of David were afraid to tell him that the child uh, was dead. Uh, For they said, indeed, when the child was still alive, we spoke to him and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him now that the child is dead? He may do some harm. Literally, maybe to himself is what they're talking about here. In other words, when the child... See, David was blaming himself for the death of the child, friends. And this is part of the consequence of rebellion to God. And so he was, he was torn up over it. It bothered him tremendously. And, 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 and so when the child actually died, they go, oh, no. I mean, he wouldn't eat. He'd lay on the ground. He, he, he just acted. And now we've got to go in and tell him he's dead. What is he going to do to himself? When David saw his servants were whispering, then David perceived the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he's dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, changed his clothes, went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went to his own house. And when they requested, they set food before him and he ate. Then his servants said to him, what is this that you've done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. They're saying, we don't get it. When he was sick, you acted this way, and then when he dies, you you seem to go back to life as normal. And so David said, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? But I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. It's interesting that David here recognized life after death, whether it's in the 23rd Psalm or whether it's concerning this child. And then David was comforted. Bathsheba, his wife, went into her and lay with her, and so she bore a son. And this is what's so amazing, friends. His name was Solomon. So the very child that died from this adulterous relationship became the next king over Israel. Out of all the other wives that David had, that you would think would be the one that would ascend to the throne, instead, it is Solomon. Telling me about God's forgiveness. See, God's forgiveness is real, friends. And though the one child died, Solomon, it says, was born to him. 
And the Lord loved him. And he sent word by the hand of Nathan the prophet, so he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. We'll just stop here tonight. We look at this interesting story about God's forgiveness, even though, friends, we don't deserve it. And I would just invite you tonight, if there's maybe a path you're on, you know ain't right, and all I can tell you is this. Repent. Tonight. Just say, Lord, you know I'm going to do it different from now on. And that's all God's looking for, friends. The minute that you say that, God can begin to turn away this, this, this trail of wreckage that will, will attach itself to your life and drag you down. You, you see, it, it just requires you to say, okay, Lord, I, I, I want to get serious with you. I, I don't want this following me anymore. Uh, l- let's do something new. And you know, that's what repentance is, friends. It's changing the way you think about it. Walking 180 degrees from the way you walk. Now, I'm not saying every aspect of your life or my life is, is always perfect. But listen, the thing is, is that these areas that, that God works on, and let me tell you something, God's working on an area in every one of our lives. So don't ever think this side of heaven, you're going to have it all buttoned down. But those areas at which God loves you, he, he puts his finger on because that's what he wants to heal in our lives. Do you realize we turn to sin to have a healing in our life? There's something that's lacking in our life and so therefore we sin to make up the difference and somehow make it better. People can't stand the the stress of life or they want to be the life of the party and be liked by everybody so give me another bag of dope. You know, there's something that's going on in their life and they they don't have enough money and they feel pinched and and to trust God, yeah, I know the Bible says he's going to supply all my needs according to his riches and glory but oh, I just got to grab that hand of money. You see, we, we turn to sin to make up for what we're not. And see, the Bible says that Christ is our sufficiency. He, he's what makes up the difference. And so tonight, I'd like to just invite you to let Christ be that sufficiency in all of our lives. Whatever it is. And again, just as in the case of David, you know, again, David, I believe, friends, really forgot who he was. He was a king. He could have had other girls if he wanted one. He just couldn't have had that one. But, but there's something in the Olsen nature of man that loves to rebel against God and what we know to be right. That's the Olsen nature. And if you feed that Olsen nature, that's the very nature that's going to take over. On the other hand, if you feed the Spirit, the Spirit's going to get stronger, remind you of the consequences of going down the wrong road, and then we go, you know, God, I just don't think I need that headache in my life right now. And let God be God. And let God heal you and bless you and restore you. You see, that's the promise. That's the good news of what God does. And so, letting God be God. And so, uh, tonight, let's just pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to know you, the God who forgives. David said, against you and you only, Lord, have I sinned. And God, we see that. We just see the consequences in everybody else's life. And so, Father, tonight, for each one of us, may you be our sufficiency. May you help us, God. May you minister to us. And may you give us that understanding, God, that comes only from you. And so, Lord, we trust you. We put our lives in your hand tonight. May you help us, God, as we all struggle in areas of our life, Lord, for that which makes us just want to run away. Lord, may you be blessed. And may you help us. 
and keep us in that love. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's Pastor Mike Kessler, Senior Pastor at the River Christian Fellowship with Second Samuel on It's Time. If you'd like to have your own copy of today's episode, you can obtain one for free from the daily iTunes podcast. If you want a hard copy, you can give us a call at 800-357-4226 to place your order. And while you do that, don't forget that 2 Samuel is part two of the first and second Samuel series available from the River Christian Fellowship. Please tune in next time for another relevant Bible study on It's Time. It's